0: Welcome to The Colby Cast, episode 165. Thank you for joining us. Today, Colby homeschooling mother, Janelle Kvistad, joins Bonnie and I to continue a conversation that began at our Colby graduation. Our conversation ranges from continuing to parent when our children graduate from Colby Academy, to living and homeschooling on an island, and to Janelle's call and journey to the Catholic Church. We had a great time speaking with Janelle, and I'm glad you're here to join us. We hope that you'll enjoy the show.
1: Hi there, I'm Bonnie, Colby homeschooling mom of four lads and lasses, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic.
0: And this is Stephen, homeschooling father of five and director of development for Colby Academy.
1: Hi Stephen, good to see you, how's the week going?
0: Hi, it's going well. There's been a lot of lot of meetings and things. So, as I was saying before we started recording, I feel like my voice is a little scratchier today. But our our listeners will have to put up with that, I guess.
1: It's it's very distinguished. So, getting a lot getting a lot done, a lot accomplished.
0: My spaghetti western voice, as I was uh, joking beforehand, I guess.
1: <laughs> That's great. We get to visit today with a mom that we met in Atlanta during the commencement festivities. Janelle Cavistad. Hi, Janelle. Good to see you again.
2: Hi, it's great to be
1: here. Thank you. Thanks so much for coming to visit with us today. As I mentioned, we, we met in Atlanta for the commencement festivities for our, we both had seniors graduating class of 2023. And so how have you been since then? And we catch us up a little bit.
2: Oh, well, uh, it's it's interesting having a, a graduate.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: <laughs> and she just turned 18 also. So um, just so much changes for these young adults um at this time in their life they're not only graduating from high school after just doing so much work and uh so many years of school they're also becoming adults they're they're having this like 18th birthday that's coveted and it's a big deal and they're they get to flex their muscles and she's you know she keeps joking like just today she started to ask me if she could go do something with her friend today. And she's like, wait a minute, I don't have to ask anymore. I can just tell you it's what I'm doing.
0: <laughs> so, well, yes, and, you know, yes. she's,
2: she's joking a little bit. She's a little bit serious too, but it's, it's just, it's so fun to see them flexing new muscles. Mm-hmm. and um really turning around and facing the world in a in a different way
1: yeah Yep. Yeah. And, and she's your first 18 year old child right the first first of your children yes, to, yes mine too yes
2: yeah yeah we have two children uh she's the she's our eldest and then we have another um
1: mm-hmm. uh, son
2: um who is entering his sophomore year
1: okay
2: in, with colby
1: Yep. This is our our first grad, our first graduate, our first 18 year old in the household. And yes, we've had a lot of conversations about this is not a light switch situation. Like, yes, you're an adult in many ways, but it's not like an overnight thing. Like right. there's still a lot of growing to do. We still can be helpful to you. Yes. You're going to make a lot of, um you're going to learn a lot of hard lessons, but you don't have to learn all the lessons the hard way. right Yes. Same for us. So like we have never been parents of an 18 year old before. So we're going to have to kind of Right. Yes.
2: Well, and she's staying at home. Um, she's not. She's chosen not to go to college, and she's so she'll be living with us. And we own a small business, and um, she works full time there. Okay. So she'll be, you know, traveling a lot. She's gonna, you know, get out in the world and play a little bit. And she's got some travel plans with some friends. But she wants to spend a year working and traveling and just get some money in the bank and not not have a bunch of pressure on her about what's next she needs to she needs to she needs to spend some time really thinking about what's next for her so sure that makes good sense yeah and yeah. i love having her at home i'm I, like there's i'm so thrilled actually that she's not flying the nest right yeah. now that we still get to to live in the house with her and she's a delightful person to just be around. So I'm, I'm
1: happy about that. Oh, wonderful. It's a new uh, dimension to the relationship that you still get to very much enjoy. That's great. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: We've just been having some, well, I've been having some of these same thoughts myself. I have a 19 year old daughter who's just off her second year at at college, but she's back for the summer, which is fantastic. I love having the whole family, but you know, I, I've always tried as a father to kind of say, look, I can't especially as they get older i can't manage everything you i need you to want to be virtuous i want i need you to want to do the right thing but that that's taken to that's taken to another step when you get the 18 19 and they're because it's like okay i have to i mean it is even more up to you now it's it's because i can't you can't babysit you you shouldn't right and Mm -hmm. but but it has been it has been wonderful a little hard a little hard as as a a father at times but uh, wonderful yeah
1: for sure it's a have a bit of a like okay kind of <laughs> yes <laughs> report so much in so far joyfully gratefully willingly and now it's to the point where now you now you do you do for well and it, it has been incrementally this you do for yourself what you can do and so mm-hmm. now there's a lot <laughs> that's a whole new phase of that so yes yeah
2: well and we we've, we've talked we're we're easing her into You know, it's not just all of a sudden, all right, you're paying for your own insurance. Okay. You're paying for your, you know, know, easing her into that. But at the same time, she is working full-time now. And this is a household that relies on many hands. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's going to require some good conversation around what is, what does that look like now that she's not in full-time school? So
1: new, more privileges, but more responsibilities as well. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They go hand in hand.
2: Well, we've always, one of the things we've always worked with our kids on is, you know, your, the the amount of independence we give you is directly proportional to the amount of responsibility you show that you can handle. Mm -hmm. If you start showing, if you're going through a hard time and you're showing that you can't you're not handling responsibility well, well, then we're going to help you and not give you as much independence. And it's not a, a punishment thing. It's a, we're helping you. Uh, we're helping you regulate that so that you see how it's done and then you can do that more for yourself going forward. Um, it's a time management thing. It's, it's all of that. And um, so the same thing, goes here and i'm just i'm i would say i'm anxious to see how that's going to play out in this new phase but i don't i don't want to be anxious about it so i i'm very eager and interested in how that's going to play out yes. over yes. the next year how that fun. that yeah. dynamic of in, you know independence versus responsibility mm-hmm. uh, plays out with a 18 going on 19 you know like she just turned 18 so um yeah it, it's it'll be good I think yes (laughs) Yes. we've
1: known that all along since they were little that yeah everybody develops at their own rate you know it's not a light switch it's just Mm -hmm. (laughs) there's still Mm -hmm. a lot of variance in where we all are and we're still like that whatever wherever we are so you mentioned you have a colby graduate now a Colby alumna and you have a a son entering 10th grade Mm -hmm. and we we met in atlanta so so far and you have a small business would you kind of broaden out a little bit and tell us how your family utilizes Colby's offerings and a bit more about yourself and your family.
2: Sure. Uh, So we live um, on 20 acres on a small Island in the Pacific Northwest off the coast of Washington state. And uh, the year round population here is about 2,500. And so it's small. We're a very small community. My husband and I own a natural food store. Um, and both of our children work there, and they're a part of a staff of about uh, 12 that we employ. And so it's a ferry-serviced island, so we everything, everything comes and goes by boat or, or ferry here. And uh, we're a part of an archipelago of islands that are... Um, of the archipelago, there are four ferry serviced islands that and uh, where the ferry comes from the mainland and services for of the islands. And then the others are too small and too sparsely populated to to warrant, you know the state ferries to to stop there. Um, so our parish, St. Francis, um, sits on a different island from ours. And so the priest, uh, we usually have uh, mission missionary priests. And they usually stay for about three years at a time, and they travel around the different islands um, on Saturdays and Sundays to perform mass. And they do daily mass on at the where the home parish is, uh, where you know where the the main church is. Um, but we get mass once a week, and it's on Saturdays, <laughs> and oftentimes it's at ten and thirty a.m. and sometimes it's at 1.30 p.m. And so we have a special, you know. I don't know if it's a dispensation or what it is, but from the Archbishop to have mass at that time, like our Sunday mass is at 10.30 a.m. on Saturdays. So it's a bit awkward and it's a bit challenging, but it's it's what we've got. And we just have to be grateful for what we get. And sometimes we have amazing priests and sometimes it's a bit of a challenge. And sometimes we don't have a priest and sometimes... (laughs) We have prayer services instead of mass. And so it's it's definitely um, can be a challenge to, to have a vibrant mass experience out here. So that's where we live. And uh, my husband and I have lived out here for about 22 years. And we've been married on August 1st. It'll be 20 years. And in terms of our... Schooling experience out here, and and our how we came to Colby, and how we utilize them now. Who utilizes Colby now? We homeschooled early on with the kids. Uh, we pretty much didn't use any kind of curriculum. We, I guess you could call it unschooled, <laughs> until um, our oldest was in the second grade, and I was diagnosed with cancer. Uh, around that time, when uh, let's see, our Sam was three and Frida was six when we were when I was diagnosed, and um, so we continued to homeschool through that time. And you know, my treatment lasted two years, and it was a lot of time of, especially in the first year, a lot of time of me being away um, for treatment because you can't get cancer treatment out here on the island. So you know, I would kind of go off island for all my treatments. And at one point during the treatment, I had to actually um, live in Seattle for six weeks in order to get daily treatment there. And and during that time, we had a lot of family helping us. Uh, uh, we had the kids enrolled in a kind of a small Waldorf-y type uh, program. And so that was on one of the other islands. And so we had family helping us kind of ferry the kids around and we made it through that time and then when Frida was um, in the fifth grade, I we were using a, a curriculum by Oak Meadow. And I just realized about halfway through that year, I thought, I was like, I can't do this anymore. This is just too, I'm not, it, it just, it wasn't working. And so we sent her to a private school on one of the other islands. Um, So she, for two years, she, during middle school, she went to um, a non-religious school on one of the other islands. And that we quickly realized that on a grocer's income, uh, we weren't going to be able to continue to send two children to a private school. (laughs) And also that travel was difficult. And Um, So we pulled back and we realized that our only other option at that point was the local public school. And while we weren't super excited about that, we felt that it was what we had to work with at the time. So we enrolled both kids into our local uh, public school, and that lasted um, a few years before the lockdowns happened. So, and when the lockdowns happened because of our business, we, you know, most people were sent home um, out here in Washington state anyways. I don't, I don't know what lockdowns were like for you guys, but out here it was very severe and people were told to basically go home and not leave their home <laughs> unless they absolutely had to, uh, except unless you, unless you work at a grocery store, you keep going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it, so it. And so we were all of a sudden thrown into this to say it was intense is is very understated. We were uh, it was probably one of the most challenging times of our life, yeah, honestly. So while our teenagers were at home on their computers, zooming with our local public school, we were working, you know, sixteen hour days uh, with no days off for months at a time. Um, and one day, um, I happened to be home looking over my son's shoulder at what his class was going to be working on that day. And he had, my son had made a comment. Yeah, I, it's science class. He was like, yeah, I guess we have health today. And I went, uh, what? <laughs> it's like, huh, I wonder what you're going to be going over. And so I stood there while he tapped into class and sure enough, it was gender gender ideology, and um, I told him, I said, shut your computer, that's it, and we weren't even told that they were going to be doing that, and so I marched, I said to my husband, I said, we're done, we can't do this anymore, and I marched into the principal's office, and I said, "I, I want to unenroll both of my children from the school, they were just floored, you know, and I told him exactly why, and I wasn't going <laughs> to lie about it, you know? And so we didn't know what we were going to do, but at, initially, and, but my husband, Brian said, I know what we're going to do. We're doing Colby because he had looked into Colby before, and we had always wanted to send our kids to parochial school. He, my husband is a cradle Catholic. He, I'm a convert, but he's a cr- cradle Catholic and he went to parochial school his whole even in you know he went to seattle university so he did you know went to catholic school all the way through but we just didn't think it was an option for us out here because you know unless it was an online and we know ne- we didn't want to do online before <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. and so uh so he's like i know exactly what we're going to do and we enrolled both kids that was tw- two years so the kids just finished two years of colby so um We have not looked back it has been the most incredible blessing for our family um, to have joined the colby family it's it's i can't even i can't even say enough how much of a blessing it's been so that's how we found colby that's how we utilize it they are both uh kids have done full uh, full time online i I knew from my previous experience homeschooling that I, I wasn't going to be able to do any kind of self-paced, um, any other option. I was like, nope, full-time online. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been wonderful. Yeah, Good, good
0: you're kind of the poster example of of what we could say like we always say well there you know you might have a great catholic school in your your neighborhood and you know that's great if that's what's best for your family but there are people out there who don't have a good catholic school option well here we go the perfect example of somebody who doesn't have a good option available to them
2: no absolutely and and you know the only it, <laughs> oh, this is definitely not a downside but One thing that it has brought up for us is, you know, we we've seen a little bit of what we've been missing up until now, and it's caused us to question whether we want to continue to live out here, um, because of what we have not been able to provide our children with, you know, a a large church community and just an understanding of the larger Catholic community, so that. That is something that we grieve a bit, but um, we we understand now that God has put us here, and our questions now need to be, why are we here? God, why have you put us here in this community? Um, and really do some discernment about that before we decide to leave, because... We don't want to just be reactionary and flee. We want to make, you know, well, what's God's will for us?
0: Seems like that's a typical thing in, in the Bible. It's even when you're doing a good thing. The the first question is, is that what God wants? The, you know, so God wants to be worshiped. And you say well i want to worship in this way though instead of in this way you know i want to serve him in this way God say no no no. what i want is is this so that seems like a that's a good a very good question to ask i guess to it's so back.
2: easy it's so easy to just think you know what god wants for you and sometimes you do sometimes it's just immediately apparent and yes you it's quick, whatever the decision is, whatever the situation is, you, it's a quick pivot and you just know, but most of the time you have to pull back and say, wait, first do nothing, you know, and, and, and pray and discern before you act, because maybe, maybe you're missing out on something that God wants you to do.
1: Yes. So challenging. And there's not just a cut and dried answer. There's not just one. No. <laughs> Would be helpful sometimes, wouldn't it? Yes yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned you're a convert, and in when we, when I first met you in Atlanta and we were conversing briefly on those recordings, you mentioned hearing a couple of Colby moms on a Colby cast episode, and that being um, part of your discernment into your conversion. Would you tell us that story?
2: Um, yes, I, I can tell you that story. Um so, I mean, I am like really a recent convert. So I, I would just join the church. Uh, I had my conversion experience in summer of 2021 and I joined the church. I was baptized Easter of 22. Okay. So um, it's been a bit of a whirlwind. It's been amazing. And I still marvel at it. I still can't, be- like, sometimes I can't believe it. I'm like, wait a minute, hmm. what? <laughs> I did that? Uh, you know after 20 years of of being married to a Catholic and always telling him you know just remember I'm not going to be converting (laughs) and I would joke with him you know in order for me to convert I'm going to have to have a major conversion experience like you know Jesus in my pancake or you know (laughs) Mother Mary descending down the stairs with her arms out stretched to me saying come to me child and if something like that happens, hey, I'm no down me, you know, sign me up, but it's gonna have to be dramatic. And, and you know, in reality, what actually happened was both more subtle than that. It was not Jesus and my pancake, but it was also more profound than that, because I mean, I just marvel at how good God is at his job. <laughs> Bringing people to him, you know. So, um, yeah, I I grew up in a non-religious household. Uh, two divorces, um, and so even though it was, you know, a difficult difficult at times, I I was definitely loved and cared for uh, by my parents, and uh, as a child. Uh, so my grandfather, uh, my on my father's side, was a Presbyterian minister, and uh, my grandparents were very instrumental in bringing Young Life to Western Washington. And so my grandfather was the director of a Young Life camp out here. So my parents always sent me off to to camp every summer, and I loved going to camp. I loved it. It was it every year. I looked forward to it so much. Um, but there was always a bit of heartbreak also because I, I mean, I have this distinct memory of leaving the the Kumbaya campfires, right? And being told to go to my cabin and ask Jesus into my heart. And, um, but I was told, you know, you have to do it in a right way. You have to ask him with a pure heart. you have to, or he won't come. And so I remember being this small child, like lying in my bunk bed at camp and saying, Jesus, come into my heart. And I'd wait and I'd wait and I'd open my eyes and look around. And I, and I think, did he come? Is he there? And I just felt both, you know, anticipatory And wanting it but also like I don't I have no idea what I'm doing here (laughs) and it was confusing for me and because I my parents weren't religious I I would go home and I wouldn't have um, anybody to talk about any of that with so then in middle school I started going to a Methodist church with a friend and her family I, I I sought God a lot (laughs) as a child and uh so all of this stuff i was doing on my own my parents were like you want to go to church what you know when i told them i wanted to start going to church with this family and so i for several years would go to church with this family and again i found myself abandoning it because i couldn't reconcile the idea that my parents were going to hell because they had not accepted jesus christ as their lord and savior and again i had nobody to to help me reconcile all of that and as a child that was traumatizing i didn't want my parents going to hell <laughs> sure. and so i couldn't believe it i had to abandon christianity in order to 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 um well i had to otherwise i it was either i believe that my parents were going to hell or i don't and I wanted to not believe that my parents were my right And then, you know, and then my twenties hit and, you know, I, I kept seeking. It's like, I found myself, like, I remember being very interested in goddess spirituality. Right. And I would re oh, I really read up on that. And I started hanging out with people who were into it. And then, And then I was invited into like this kind of Wicca thing, and I was like, okay. And I kind of started poking around. I was like, ooh, no, like it just it. I it felt so wrong, but I didn't know why it felt wrong, you know. And and it's and now it's like as now that I now I know God, and I look back at all these times in my life where God was so clearly walking with me and protecting me and guiding me and so all these key moments where i was seeking him but i was just looking in all the wrong places and he would just say no daughter no and he would lead me away from those things and and i was just i was actually repelled i remember feeling just um so so unsafe even just reading about that and not safe, unsafe physically, or even even emotionally, but just my very soul felt unsafe. It felt so deeply unsafe. And then um, I have lived with chronic pain since my early 20s. And so I started doing yoga. And at first, it was just for the pain issues and kind of helping, helping with that. And then I became really curious about yogic philosophy. And again, in pursuing that, it felt so wrong. It felt... the the focus on the self, um, it felt lonely, it felt uh, empty. And same thing with Buddhism, I looked into Buddhism and I I came away with the same sense of emptiness. Um, And like, why am I, why am I being told to focus on just myself (laughs) and the some sort of divine thing in myself, you know, and uh, about that time, I met a really good friend who were still very dear friends, and she uh, is, uh, she's Christian, and she was the first Christian I met since my childhood that showed me that Christian people could be good <laughs> and safe. Um, and she really opened my heart back up to at least understanding that Christianity is was not this bad thing. Uh, and now I see that God put her in my life to to kind of open my heart a little to be able to meet my husband, Brian, and be open to dating <laughs> a religious, uh, a Christian man. And um oh, and one one other experience I had in high school that I wanted to mention about uh, just God's hand being there. You know, after I had kind of rejected Christianity, I was at a friend's house and a Ouija board was brought out and I I was invited to do it. I had never done anything like that before. And it was it was a crazy experience. It was so real. And um, the question I wasn't asking any questions. I just had my fingers on there and a question was asked. Who, you know, who are we talking to? And it, the answer was Lucifer. And I just kind of rolled my eyes, but I was also like, holy goodness gracious, what's going on here? And then uh, the next question this but this person that I was playing with said, uh, can you, do you want everyone in this room? And the answer was yes. And it said, can you get everyone in this room? And it said, no. Who can't you get? it spelled out my name, but with my biological father's last name that nobody in that room knew. And at first I thought they must be playing with me, but the look on their faces showed me that they weren't. And what? And then the next question was, well, why can't you get her? And it spelled out G-O-D. And at that moment, I like just, I, my hands flew off the thing and I ran upstairs and I cowered in one of the upstairs bedrooms until everybody was done. And I just remember left, it left me feel, I was reeling, but I was reeling because I was asking, is God real? Are demons real? And so as scary of a situation as that was, it also it also broke something open in me that was true, you know. And anyway, so that's a little side note there. But
0: And so I never. A, I, I, what's that? I was just going to say it's a great thing for people to to keep in mind, I mean, because as Catholics, we're always talking about. You know there's angels there's demons and sometimes even catholics can act like that's not the case when they delve into something like a, a ouija board or seances or all of this stuff and it's like no i mean get away from that if, you, oh. if you're there get away from that yeah
2: absolutely absolutely so but it it, it was a, it was one of those i never forgot it and it was one of those moments that um yeah that was i think pivotal anyway so I married my husband and we, I committed to raising our future kids Catholic. Uh, I went to church every week with him um, for many years and then I stopped going to church because I was starting to have a very difficult time With much of what I was hearing in mass. I didn't understand it. As a non-Catholic, I felt like a voyeur. Um, I didn't know how to engage in the mass as a non-Catholic. It was deeply awkward and uncomfortable. Do I kneel whenever? I mean, should I kneel when everyone else is kneeling, even though I'm not buying into all of this? Uh, You know, do I go up? with my, you know, and receive a blessing or do I just stay sitting in the pew? Uh, what, do I, what part of all of this do I recite with everyone else? Do I just stand there and not say anything because why would I say something if I don't believe it? Like, it was all so uh, awkward and the Hail Mary was literally the only prayer I could recite and have any kind of relaxation in my body. Um, And it got to the point where it was almost unbearable to even be there because I, I was just so confused about why I was there. Wanting to support my husband and family, but just felt I just didn't feel a part of it. And why would I go if I didn't feel a part of it? So I stopped going. I didn't go for a couple of years. And then Brian asked me, to please come back, please. It would mean so much to me, meaning him, if if I would come back. So I did, and uh, I found a way to kind of be there and uh, be more comfortable. But it still, it still was uncomfortable. <laughs> uh, but it wasn't unbearable anymore. And then the lockdowns came, and you know our, we were, we were doing what we were doing at our business, and then, but it felt like we were drowning. And then the race riots and then the advancement of the disordered sexual ideologies just coming, just bearing down. And I just found myself questioning everything. And I just couldn't go, I found, I couldn't go on anymore, not engaging in these issues. I couldn't ignore all of these things that were happening around me. And I started overhearing some of the podcasts that my husband listened to, like Matt Walsh and Michael Knowles and (laughs) Matt Frad. And just listening, you know, listening to them, things just started coming into focus. And I started understanding these societal issues through the Judeo-Christian lens, and more specifically, the Catholic lens. And I started opening up to the idea of accepting God in my life. And looking back, it's like he knew that my heart was too hardened against Christianity. So he had to start with my head, <laughs> he had to bring things to me in a different way. And, uh, so then I listened to a podcast on Mary that Brian sent me. And it's called Mary, Mother of the Church and it's produced by the St Paul Repository and it's led by Father Robbie Lowe and Father Guy de Gainsford. I can't recommend this podcast enough. It's so beautiful. And I felt like I was floating, listening to these two men, uh, these two priests talk about Mary. And at the same time, we were joining the Colby family. So all of this was converging at the same time as we were joining the Colby family. And so kind of to bring this around to the Colby cast, um, one day I was listening to, and I, I, Still have not gone back to try to find the exact podcast. I would kind of like to just—I don't know—it would be kind of fun to remember the exact one. But I remember it was a couple of moms and it was a couple of female um, administrators, maybe or teachers from Colby, and they were talking about. We were the the subject was I think homeschooling middle schoolers maybe, and just the joy in their voices, the peace with which they approached their tasks. Um, I I just, I wanted to be one of them. (laughs) I wanted to be like that. I wanted to have that for myself. And I remember thinking while I was listening, I thought, can I? I mean, is that available to me? And it just, so everything, just all these layers just kept piling on. So all of these things were laid down. And then this moment came. Um, that was, that was what I see as my actual, like, like the moment of my conversion. I was working on a fencing project here we have horses and I was working on on a fencing project and you have to like there's all these little bits and pieces of fencing that if you're going to work on a project you have to think about your project and you have to gather all your pieces together and put them in your bucket and walk all the way to the other side of the pasture with your bucket of fencing pieces and you always forget one or two pieces so you have to walk all the way back to you know where you're barn is or whatever and get the piece that you missed so I was in what in that moment I was like oh, I forgot this piece and so I had to walk all the way back and I'm walking across the pasture and I'm thinking fencing pieces and this question came into my mind it was just what if you joined the church and it was so weird and shocking and I just stopped in the middle of the pasture, and I wish that there would have been a camera trained on me because it would have been really funny. I stopped and I looked around like, what is happening right now? Why did that thought just come into my head? And it was a clear question. It was like somebody was asking me the question. It wasn't me asking the question. It was like somebody else asking me the question. I didn't hear a voice or anything. It just was this question was posed to me. And so I, I shook it off, but I didn't really shake it off. It, I went and got the fence piece. I went back down to finish my, finish my fencing project. And then when I was walking back up at the same part of the pasture, the question came charging in to my heart again. What if you joined the church? And from that moment, it was like a floodgate happened and it was It was like the moment I'd been waiting for. And um, I felt like that giddy feeling that you feel when you're falling in love and you're so excited and you can't wait to see the person again. (laughs) And so I sat with it for about two weeks because I, without saying anything, I did not want to say it to my husband because I was worried that I would change my mind and I didn't want to break his heart. I didn't want to, to tell him I wanted to join the church only to say, Oh, you know what? Never mind." Yeah. Even though I knew I wasn't going to change my mind, I felt like I had to just hold it for a little bit, like a precious little thing um, before I could, before I could let it out. And it was funny when I did, I, I, I thought I was going to take even more time, but my husband and I were in the kitchen and he was just standing at the counter chatting, eating something. And finally, I just couldn't, I couldn't not tell him anymore. It's like, this is ridiculous. I have to tell him. I was like, I have to tell you something. And he was mid food in his mouth, like mouth open. And he looked at me like, oh no, (laughs) you know, and I said, I've decided to join the church. Mm. <laughs> I mean, this is so out of the blue for him. <laughs> <laughs> and I mean, he had to pick his jaw up off the floor. And he, w- what he said back to me was so perfect. He gathered himself together and he blinked a couple times and he said, well, you've always been good at following your gut. <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> So, yeah, I I joined RCIA and was baptized last year. So that's my crazy conversion story.
0: Beautiful.
2: <laughs> but not crazy. Just, right. just a normal, just your average every day, too. It's bo- I, I love how it's both profound. I mean, to me, it's obviously life-changing and drop to my knees profound. But it's also just an
0: everyday conversion so let's at, at one i'm a convert myself and at, at one point my uh my wife's grandmother was writing collecting stories about converts and I, I got to put my story in in her book but the title is chosen again because as you're as you're telling your story and as for me it's it's every convert i think you i mean it could be called as well but you you i think i think it sounds like you you recognize that from before it was even a possibility, you were you were chosen, you were selected and then called. It's such a lovely thing for us to remember, you know, even for those who have been Catholics all of their life. It's they were chosen as well. And they just didn't have to go through all of the the ups and downs and through all of the obstacle courses that that the uh that maybe a non-Catholic did, but or maybe they do. But
2: uh I think it's a different obstacle course. Yes. You know, yeah. and a lot of the cradle Catholics that I've talked to, um, because I I I expressed early on some some grief that I, I kind of had about not well. finding the church sooner. And I felt I kind of had this panic moment for a while, this panic feeling for a while of. All that I missed out on, you know, and well, this grief of not having um, such a close feeling to God. But so many cradle Catholics have told me that they have experienced these long stretches of, you know, a dry faith period, and that what they wouldn't give for my zeal now and my excitement and that it excites them just to talk to me now and so i think that it is just a different obstacle course and i was so glad that they talked me down off that ledge because um i don't want to feel sad i don't want to feel you know sad about my my journey to christ it's it's been a joyful one. It's been a hard one, and I. But right, but at this moment, I I feel well. I feel like I'm home finally, and it it is the most incredible feeling. I think that. Um. I can I can handle my my suffering. Just feels so different now. I I feel I have a place to to put it, and. And something to suffer for, um, whereas before it was just suffering for the sake of suffering. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, no, we all have our we all have our faith journey, and that sounds so that sounds so cliche, but it's so true.
0: Yeah, in agreement, and it's it's interesting to reflect back as you, you know to hear your story and and then to think about all of those things so i mean i guess you have the gift of your story now to share that we we will be sharing with the with the people that are listeners and which is so wonderful because you you think well you know what is that that god was doing there and how was he calling me and what was the point of, mm-hmm. of that sorrow or that you know difficult time or that call or or, or it's they are all there you know in god's omnipotence and his omniscience he's put it all together to call you to him and to touch those around you and to uh yeah to bring us all together as our church but it's yeah it's just a wonderful thing to reflect even on that um his providence and his his Mm -hmm. his love for us i think
2: well and he i mean it's i still uh well, I don't even know the word, but I, I do think about the obstacle course he took me through and how random it seems, but also how perfect it seems and intentional and every bit planned. I I, I truly feel that God was preparing me to say yes to him. And he knew exactly what I needed in order to get there. And he gave me everything I needed to get there.
1: In the order you needed to receive them.
2: In the order I needed to receive them. And Mm -hmm. what if any one of those pieces wasn't there? It might not have been enough. What if the Colby cast wasn't there at, at that moment? You know, when I had maybe just listened to that amazing Mary podcast, you know, it it all built on on e- on it, on each other. Every one of those pieces built on each other. Um, and I I do joke a little bit too. I right? I do think that maybe God. I mean, obviously God. Well, I do think he got a little impatient with me. I do think he was finally like, you know, I'm walking through the pasture, and he's finally like, okay, I've had enough daughter, you're mine. Let's do this.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: Now's the time. <laughs> Join the church.
1: <laughs> I love hearing conversion stories. I hardly ever know what to say in response to them beyond. That's amazing and beautiful. And <laughs> and without feeling like I'm going to say something just hokey, but it it's heartfelt. Like I could see God working that whole time. You didn't know it at the time. And that gives mm-hmm. me hope in my own circumstances when they're challenging, like, there's something, this is working towards something mm-hmm. if I cooperate. Right. I hope it's not too much of a leap or um, otherwise, I don't know what the word is, but thinking back to our, the start of our conversation, how yes. our, our eldest children are venturing out into new phase of life. Like we have had a lot of, um, it has been within our purview to make a lot of decisions for them. It's not so much that way anymore for us. And it's this, this new chapter of Okay, it's really a different. I keep using the word chapter. I'm gonna to need to find a new word pretty soon. But <laughs> it can tell that. It, hopefully, I'm hopefully I'm coming across like his story now to right. all the more. So yeah. Well,
2: and, and parenting doesn't stop when they turn 18. And um, you know, I so <laughs> I played a little joke on my mom when I was diagnosed with cancer. I know that sounds kind of dark and morbid, but. You 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 kind of have to joke with cancer sometimes because otherwise you know anyways you have to you have to have a sense of humor but um I so I was 39 when I was diagnosed and for obvious reasons my mom was was uh, kind of shattered by the news and it was very hard and as we moved through and uh, she wasn't so shattered anymore she started helping and and uh, I gave her this magnet uh, that said the first 40 years of parenting are always the hardest. <laughs> and as I gave it to her, I was like, sorry to kind of, you know, kick it to you again, mom with this, but, <laughs> so, but it's true. I mean, you know, even in that moment, here comes my mom charging into the situation to parent me and to mother me and to help me. I couldn't have, I couldn't have made it through the the first year of my treatment without my mother. I mean, she showed up so strongly for me. She um, came to the island four days out of every week for the first six months. And weeded my garden, cleaned my house, took care of the kids, cooked for us. I mean, um, so you you just don't stop. I mean, I'm telling you this because of what you said about we're putting our kids out into the world. And as long as we're alive and our children are alive, we're parenting them. It just, the dynamic changes a little based on the different stages of life.
0: Yeah. So. For many, it becomes, a, well, for most, I guess, in today's world, it just becomes a bit harder because it always used to be, you know, very few people left the area that you grew up in, you know, right. but now people just fly off all over the place. I mean, we're already having sort of, not deep discussions about like, well, okay, what happens when all the children are out of the house and living in rural Arkansas will probably not likely most of them are going to end up in our area here. They're going to fly all over the, the place. And how do we still, I mean, you can do it virtually. We, we can, we can be virtual parents, I guess for all, but how do you you know manage all of that? And it's just a, it doesn't stop, but it's a little, just like, um, Developing a community at Colby Academy mm-hmm. with all of our over families all over the country and the world, you have to be a little bit more deliberate about it, I think, than maybe the fact that everybody could just come over for Sunday night dinner at at mom's mm-hmm. house or whatever. You know, that's mm-hmm. the. But it can be done, and it needs to be done. I know. So.
2: Well, and it's easy for young adults, I think, to feel dropped by their parents when what the parents were trying to do is give the. Their child, who is now an adult, um, some the, the the freedom that they've quote unquote earned maybe, but um, so you ha- it's a it's a delicate dance. Just reminding your child that no matter how old you are, I'm here for you, um, in 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 whatever way I can be, and I will never drop you. Uh, so it, it's I I. I I think that we need to be careful about um, giving them too much space. I think we need to, I would rather be a little annoying um, and can, and, and what you doing? You need anything? How's it going? Where are you going? What's going on? <laughs> you know? I'd rather be a little annoying than, than have them feel like I'm not there for them.
0: I would, I would like to encourage every Every parent, I guess, out there, but particularly moms, to be mm-hmm. like Saint Saint Monica, to be like the Blessed Mother for us, who who never stops calling you back. You I mean yeah. so? So even though the child might say, "I want nothing to do with this anymore," I'm I'm living my own life. Mm-hmm. As, as parents, and again, I think as mothers in particular, never give up. Always <laughs> keep that pestering. You know, as gently as you can, but. It will, pay, it will pay off in the end. It will pay off, you know, that child mm-hmm. to know that they're always loved, no matter what they've done, no matter what's going on, they can come back to mom and dad, but mom, especially mom mm-hmm. always needs to be there.
1: I agree. <laughs> it's just that registering, like I'm here, I'm here for you. Yeah. This always happens when, when we record our, our Kobe cast conversations, we have sort of an idea of what we're going to talk about and then we get going and. And we stick close to what what our plan was, but then it, there's this richness that develops that we couldn't have have seen coming. That forms the conversation as it's intended, and I I see a lot of that in this conversation today. It's really been really been quite the blessing and, and joy to to have the time with you to to visit and and just have this time together.
2: Well, I I appreciate the opportunity. I um, <clears throat> in my daily life, you know, out here you know, in, in a rural area with not many Catholics. And um, I find, you know, I, I listen to a lot of, you know, kind of Catholic content uh, on, uh, as I'm going about my day. So I, I find myself always listening to Catholic podcasts, whether it's again, Pints with Aquinas or um, Girl Boss Interrupted or Called and Caffeinated or all these wonderful uh, people, um, I I don't ever get to talk back. <laughs> so thank you for the opportunity to actually um, you know, be a part of it and, and put my two cents in. I sometimes I sometimes I do talk back and then I have to realize, oh yeah, no, you're they're not actually they're not actually listening to you, Janelle. You know, you you <laughs> you might have just said something, but Matt Frad isn't hearing you. <laughs>
0: You can tell those are good podcasts, though, because yeah. you think you could you could jump in. Yes, yeah.
1: that's one of the things I like about them. Like, I would not get to be a part of this conversation in any context if if it not were not for this podcast. So that's one of the yeah. things I have always enjoyed about them. And you mentioned that actually when we talked in Atlanta, how you have been seeking out immersive experiences to with yes. the a broader Catholic community. I remember that that stuck with me.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, we're. We're actually, um, our son is getting an opportunity to go to Steubenville, Nor- uh, Steubenville Northwest uh, Conference next month. With mm-hmm. um, There's a parish on the mainland in Anacortes is called St. Mary's and an amazing parish with a very faithful and wonderful priest there, Father Mel. And uh, so we get to tag along with them. Sam gets to go with a small group of of young people over to Steubenville Northwest, which we're really excited about. And I don't know, I'm, I'm kind of putting this out there. I am feeling a little fire to maybe go to seek, uh,
1: yeah.
2: uh, to kind of drag my whole family to seek in January. Um, the last one, so I don't amazing. know, if,
1: yeah
2: I know. And I just, my husband and I, after going to March for life in January, and then, Uh, going to um, Atlanta for the graduation. Um, We just, we need these experiences of really being surrounded by Catholics. I know that at March of Life, it wasn't all Catholics over there, but there were a lot. (laughs) And, uh, but I just, we need to, we need to really be nourished by a critical mass of people. Um, in person, you know, it's we need that to be see to see actually see each other's faces and reach out a hand and actually touch somebody. Um, so we're we're really uh, wanting to do more of that. Every every travel experience we have now, we're we're trying to make sure there is a a uh, spiritual component to it. So that's how we're getting it now.
1: <laughs> it opens up a lot of new of new uh, possibilities too yeah mm-hmm. and that's very galvanizing just those the times together like that janelle i'll be praying for you and your family and as you all write this next chapter i'll, I'll just stick with that i've already used it enough times this episode I'll search hey for we all in next books time. there's that's nothing right. wrong
2: after. <laughs> That's right.
1: Well, I'll be thinking of you all. It was such a pleasure meeting you in Atlanta and I've been looking forward to this day to get to visit with you again. Please keep in touch and, and know of our prayers for your family and, and our gratitude for you for coming to talk to us. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thank you very much.
2: And we pray as a family for Colby, the Colby community. And um, we, there's so much we, we couldn't be doing without being a part of the Colby family. So thank
0: Subscribe to the ColbyCast on your favorite podcast app so that you don't miss an episode. And let us know how we're doing by leaving a rating or a review. And as always, feel free to email us at podcast at Mary,
1: our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Colby, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei Gloriam.